Welcome to Soberly Ever After, the podcast that inspires you to live your own happy ever after by embracing sobriety. I'm Jenna and my co-host is Leslie and each week we'll be sharing our journeys, interviewing others and exploring the reasons why a sober life is a better life. Welcome to episode two of Soberly Ever After. Today on our show we have a special guest named Sean Robinson. He has written a book called Going Dry, and here is our interview with Sean. Well, I'm, I'm 38. I've got three kids. One, uh, my youngest, she was born uh, right at the, basically the, the point where I was at my, not because of her birth, but I was at my my darkest point. So the beginning of, of this book and the beginning of where I started to realize I needed to make some changes kind of coincided with that as far as my timeline goes. but. Uh, I found myself 320 pounds, um, feeling very, I say miserable mentally, physically. I didn't really know what made me feel that way, but it was, it was an accumulation of a lot of things I knew I I should work on. And, um, there was a lot of drinking episodes over the years that, uh, I wasn't proud of, um, nothing, you know, that, that put anyone in any kind of danger, uh, just, you know, things I don't remember and, and I'm sure some mental abuse inflicted on, you know, myself and people around me in some way. But I basically got to a point where I, I needed to make a change and decided that drinking was was a common thing that that kind of was a back. It was in the background of everything that, that I needed to work on. So I decided to take a break from drinking at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. I delayed as much as I thought I could from when I started my new year's resolution. It was definitely something I didn't want to, I didn't want to do, but I wanted to do. It seemed a lot bigger to me and it definitely was big to think about avoiding it completely. So in the beginning, it was just a break. thought I could do dry January. Um, leading up to that, I basically had it around me as most people do my whole life uh, when I was quote, when I was a kid parents together I have two younger brothers we we grew up they were they just had a young life they they were social and the neighborhood we lived in was was close we grew up with the kids there my parents hung out with the parents and you know they had their drinks together but the routines they developed drinking was very much everywhere you know we couldn't go out for halloween without the neighbors passing a, a top up as we go by their house so we'd get candy and the parents would get you know, they're the, the fresh beer or mixed drinks, whatever. Uh, I know how to, I knew how to mix a proper drink when I was very young, you know, before I was nine years old or 10 years old, I knew how to mix whatever my dad was drinking. Cause it was, it was fun to help. It, it was helpful. And I didn't realize as a kid that uh, it was, I just knew that these were adult drinks and adult moments. And then kind of, I, I, I see now where seeing how they hosted functions and how they stocked their bars and things definitely set me up to create my own habits and routines around drinking and I carried that uh, as as true as I could through my teen years became legal age drank a few years before became legal you know when I was 17 Ontario where I live is uh, 19 years old is the the drinking age uh, so a couple of years before I was 19, I started into my own 
habits and routines of it and carried that through college weekends weeknights didn't matter i worked restaurants and stuff so you know our social life started at 10 11 o'clock when the restaurant closed and we hung out with the people we worked with the alcohol was everywhere it became easy to maintain the example i had from very young through these years where it felt that's just what you were supposed to do you became of age to drink and you introduced that into your life however however you you could or needed to to both fit in and to be you know who you were supposed to be with it like i thought i had a good example of how to host and how to how to implement it in everything that i did so it being in the background my my whole life and in carrying my own, myself through it uh it was difficult to just decide to not do that anymore have have that in my life for everything and and all the hosting and, and at every event and you go to a hockey game or a football game or whatever in a concert it's it's they're the biggest supporters of it so it's everywhere it was very difficult to remove that <clears throat> so then um I work construction and, and firefighting, volunteer. I've done that for just the summer's 20 years collectively. Uh, I've done them both together. And very, very masculine environment. Very, I don't want to say toxic, but there was definitely some, some toxic masculinity. There was definitely some expectations to carry myself a certain way to maintain that lane I was in and, and to have these drinking stories and hangover stories with both with these people and, you know, from other circles that I was in so to maintain that in those groups and it, it was it was easy to stay the same and to take that and change not only do the people around me not know what that's like because most people aren't doing that it's like um you you get a certain amount of um hazing and and just, I don't know if you swear on your show so I don't I won't but basically abuse from the people around me because you're you're doing something different you start to question your sexuality you start to draw pictures of you in the bathrooms on the tables and you know you might be the target of these jokes because you're listening to self-help or reading books or not drinking when everyone else is not doing or doing you know those things so it was difficult to figure out how to fix it on my own uh, my dad's a mechanic i was brought up in that environment almost honestly and to, to determine to how to fix something on my own like that that was where my mindset was i couldn't ask for help i couldn't reach out to to people and and bring them in to give me advice and pointers to help me get through not drinking or you know any anything else that i would work on to make me a better person or nicer to my kids or um, whatever so all of these things led me to a point where i needed a change i was feeling as down at the end of 2020 covid only max you know made me drink more because we couldn't go anywhere we couldn't do anything but you could go get booze so while we were i, I still worked and i never mixed the two so that was great but uh in the evenings there wasn't anything to do we have a few drinks do a, a zoom party with friends or whatever so I started to journal. Uh, somehow I got it in my head that it might help me to get some thoughts down and started journaling, wrote down, pretty much beat myself up in this journal just because I, I could. I, I didn't have anyone that was going to judge me for it. 
I didn't have to listen to anything that would, um, you know, no one would give me advice because it wasn't, obviously no one was reading it. I wasn't going to tell anybody. I was going to get a certain amount of extra um, trouble at, at work if, if anyone found out that I was journaling or, you know, as men would bug you keeping a diary and, and all the other things that would come. So to start 2021 and this this break from drinking, I maintained this journal kind of through and started to branch out to things I hadn't done before. I started reading books and listening to podcasts and and without even knowing it, learning about habits and breaking things down into smaller parts, it, I gave myself a chance to come out of this old mentality that I had around drinking and hosting and maintaining the lane I was in. And I got through, you know, a few things, learned that 20 days, 60 days, whatever it was, I, I didn't have enough time sober away from alcohol at the end of January and needed dry February and challenged 100 days and kind of took each step in that journey as a way to just get that little bit further to learn a bit more about it, to learn a few more things that might work. And back to the book and your question originally, it was along this journey that I decided this journal that I maintained all throughout was, was a tool that I wish I had when I started my own journey. It was, I, I looked cause I started looking on audible and I looked at, um, I have this a 45 minute commute to work and, and home. So there's an hour and a half a day where I was listening to the same playlists and same music and just needed to maximize that time a bit. And um, listening to these shows, I was learning so much more and started doing some of these things and, and thought that I couldn't find what became my journal and this experience that I, that I did challenging myself to be sober for that entire year and uh, still sober, but for the sake of the, the book and the, and what I was trying to do was just give that starting point by sharing my story, by being vulnerable, by showing that I'm just a normal guy and I tried a few things and came away from this, this toxic mentality that held me down for so long into a place that I could grow. So I love that, you know, girls, we talk about our feelings and we, you know, um, probably way too much talk about our feelings, but I love that when a guy can express the struggles that he had. Um, and for, to me, it's important that um, we have somebody like you on the show so we can reach to many different people, not just the other women or people like us. We want it to reach everybody who, constru- who, who identifies with this kind of struggle. There were a couple of things in your book that I especially loved. Um, by the way, I think you're a really great writer. And it's, I kind of laugh because I know that you're in construction, but like, who knew that you could put these, I mean, I don't know you, but um, put these words together like this. I I, I enjoyed it and it was very a quick read, but there were a few sentences that I'm like, I had to read them over and over again because I'm like, for some reason it just like, um, I wanted it to sink in. 
And um, one of them was because I totally um, feel the same same way that um, it says, I didn't want my sobriety to mean that I couldn't enjoy myself or that people wouldn't enjoy having me around because I feel like a lot of times first they question you why you're not drinking. And then they maybe like, I do they like not act a certain way because I'm not drinking, you know, and then there's a point where yeah. they don't. You know, and I want people to be like, I still want to be included. I noticed that when I wasn't drinking, I was either the designated driver or that I just wasn't um, asked to go out like to a certain place because they would be drinking. And it's, and I'm like, well, I still want to have fun. You know, I end up being, mm-hmm. being everyone's babysitter for their kids so that they could go out. And I'm like, wow. well, I still want to have fun just because I'm not drinking. Uh, well, first, thank you very much for the feedback. I, yes. I appreciate it. And, and uh, um, it, I am still non-drinker and, and I found there was a lot of moments where, you know, I'm really, I was really close with the, and still fairly close with the fire department group that I'm with. And, you know, we hung out all the time and things like on weekends. And I actually work with, with one of the guys that uh, I'm on the fire department with, who is the groom in my story. Um, that was a very target of a lot of anxiety through that journey. Yeah. And I felt the anxiety with you reading it. (laughs) Yeah, Honestly, because I know what that feels like. uh, We could definitely get there. Um, To answer your question though, uh, it's in those moments and with those people being on the fire department, right? We never mixed the two. It wasn't like we were having drinks and then would respond. There was, there's a certain amount of people in that group that don't drink. And then there was some of us, if we had one, we wouldn't go. So we were responsible, but there was people that weren't drinking. And it was almost like, as, as a drinker, I'm seeing these people in the corner with their bottles of water and they're there. You don't really feel like they want to be there. They don't look like they want to be there. And I was aware of them in a judgmental way as the drinker. And I, because I was aware of them being there and we we're friends with these people, but it was just an awkwardness when you're the one participating in the drinking or the function and they're flipping a bottle of water around just waiting for their moment to leave. So because I was aware of that, when I started on my own journey and realizing like I need to be that person, I, I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to still find a way to be involved and on the, I'll say drinking side of the room because these rooms were very much one side or the other. There was the drinking side or the party side. And then there was like the, I can't wait to get out of here side. So I wanted to find somewhere in between the two that I could exist and not feel like I had to drink and then not feel like I was just, you know, a, a piece of furniture. Um, it, it was a challenge. It was, it was difficult because there's a lot of pressure from, from the people around us and me speaking from that group specifically to continue the way we were, right? There's like, when you're changing, we are trying to figure ourselves out. I was trying to figure myself out, but then I got to transmit that to these people that I'm friends with for the hopes that they're going to like this new person or that I'm going to fit into this group still. And, and there was definitely a lot of, a lot of challenges with, uh, with getting through that. Yeah. I can imagine it. I think it's funny though. Like if you, once you get to that point and they still accept you because you're doing it, like you could almost be as silly and goofy as you want to be because no one's going to say anything because they're all doing that. Oh yeah. You don't right? like, so you can almost like, um, do all the things that you wouldn't do because you're afraid of being judged. Like you could just do them because no one's going to judge you at that point. 
it, it, they might actually think it's even more funny because you are the sober one and doing those things. Yeah, uh, exactly. And you don't, we don't really think about it this way, but you know, we need those, or we feel we need those couple of drinks to get to a point where we loosen up. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of that's just in our head, right? A lot of that is just, mm-hmm. and I mean, there's the science it does loosen us up, but people around us don't know when we've reached that point. So right. I mean, we could really, and it's, it's something to train ourselves, but we could really turn that on at any point because no one else really knows that you've If you could turn point. it on more naturally, we would probably have a little more fun in our lives. Yeah. And you, you would probably do that in other scenarios, right? It's not like you're going to start dancing on tables, but right. to loosen up, tell a couple of jokes, maybe, you know, ask questions you wouldn't normally say because you want those, you know, that edge off to start the conversation or whatever your personality is. You know, you don't have to have those drinks anymore. If you've chosen not to, it's just figuring out how to teach, to train yourself to loosen up when you're not having the drinks to do that. For sure. There was another part in your book, um, which, and it's just the next page over, but um, you talked about routines and habits. Like Mm -hmm. I am very much a a routine person and I never really thought of it in a sense, but then now that you said that, I can definitely see like when you sit down to do a certain task, you may just grab at naturally, like you said, you went straight to the refrigerator because you're, this is what you do before you turn on the TV or, and it changed that habit. So I was thinking about that in my own life, being as a non-drinker, but I am a sugar addict, right? So like, what, what are my triggers and what do I like do on a regular basis? But I just need to change that, right? Mm -hmm. At least it starts with that, changing that habit, changing that routine. And I never really thought of it in that, in that sense, because I mean, I could see it in like an addiction to like alcohol sense, right? Because you can see those patterns, but not even just in that, but anything in your life that you wanted to change. Yeah, it, it definitely translates any habit. Um, and, and some are going to be easier to break than others, right? Of course, but any, any habit is kind of, you do something that leads to an action. We train ourselves to grab that popcorn before we sit down to watch a movie, or we, we grab a drink because I'm barbecuing, or I have a drink because it's nice out and I just cut the grass or it's just nice out and I want to sit outside or, you know, and a lot of these things get programmed into us because that's just what people around us are doing, or that's what we see on TV or in shows. And, we create these habits for ourselves because that's just what we see and are aware of. But my habit and stuff like going camping as an example, there was a sequence of things, right? You get ready to go camping. And for me, it always meant bringing more booze than I thought I was going to bring because if I ran out and I'm wherever camping, it's not easy to go get it. You're at home or somewhere convenient. You could probably get it wherever, but I just, it was a habit for me and a routine that it was like, if I'm doing this camping, whatever, I have to make sure I have this much with me in case I need more, or I have to have, make sure I have it in general. So to, to do those things, what I was used to doing. So with an alcoholic beverage within reach, it was like almost learning how to walk again. It's like, how do I do this? Cause I've done it since I was 16 and just at 37, 36, when I started, it was like, I know I'm just going to teach myself not to do it with this product anymore. It was, it was different. Now that you've been a non-drinker for a long time, 
I, when you look at people, like I can see like one or two beers in, you can see their faces and their personalities change. Mm-hmm. Um, do you recognize that now? Yeah. yeah. People? I'm definitely more aware and I'm definitely not uh, patient uh, or as patient for that like obnoxious point. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I like to be involved and, you know, to be a part of these things, but I get to a point where, you know, I just don't want to be there anymore. So. And that's up to the individual to decide when their threshold, you know, says they either don't go at all or don't stay around as late. Yeah, I do love the part in the the end of your book where you're talking about how you were driving back and you had all like basically the bodies in the back. And you're like Mm -hmm. the sober one. And knowing that you're going to be fine the rest of the day while they're going to be struggling. and what a like different feeling that is you know I it's just there's so many things in your book that I was like I totally know exactly what you're talking about which means you know you're all the way in Canada we're here in way in Oregon we're all the same people basically right we all struggle with the same kind of things and even if we're different in different countries it's kind of the same story yeah that's and I was kind of another reason where I decided that this story wasn't unique right it's got my my version and and the things that made made it my story but so many things I've talked to other people and been on other shows and and like it's it's incredible to hear what other people are are, relate to and and what resonates with with them and like I was just on a show uh from Australia uh and and it surprised me how relative i've never been to australia i've never been close to australia but this this conversation and and the questions and and how the the interview went it was like you know i was talking to someone that went through some of the exact same things and to your point it's it's amazing how common it all is and and especially male or female like i or however you know people identify it's you know my version it's not like it's dominant one way or another because it's it the context is so relatable i felt and and i've I've heard from from others do you did your wife think you had a problem and did she ever try to talk to you about it before you decided to stop uh she definitely did um i was not uh, open to um hearing it um i don't think denial but we'll say that for a second that I just I didn't think I had as much of an issue or problem that that I did and and there was there was moments and she'd almost regretted going to functions knowing that I might end up the same as the last time even though I said I wasn't gonna get to a a point of blackout or whatever she didn't believe me so there was definitely tension there and and there was there was other times like and there was even stuff I found out after, like there was, there was some stuff she was just wanting to try to talk to me about, but didn't know how to do it. Cause I wasn't open to hearing about it. So, you know, going through this journey on, I don't want to say that I went out on my own because we need the people in our lives, but, you know, to make the decision to do that and then be open to the conversations that I wasn't having before and, and really hearing the words and really appreciating the message and, and seeing the difference in my kids and you know, my patience levels and, and all the things that came from being away from it 
as much as I was, as those things came up, it was, it was enough to keep me going. It was enough to say like, I don't need this in my life anymore because I'm going to lose this progression that I've made by, by going back to that person. I know that you talked about like crushing the can and putting the date on it and putting it up on the shelf, but what was that one moment? Like the, the one thing that you, it was like, this is it, I'm done. It was, so I've always had like a, a weight issue. I know, you know lots of people have weight issues. It, it kind of hung over me like my whole life. And it was something that I like, I never goes, I wasn't brought up doing the, the physical things and working out the gym and all this stuff like up to that point later. But um, so I didn't have the tools to, and the confidence because of the weight issue. So being at like the heaviest I'd ever been was very upsetting for me and just my overall health at that point. Like I didn't have doctors saying other than physical saying, you know, you should probably lose some weight. It was, I didn't have something happen that made me do it. It was just that feeling I had that I needed to do something about this because I feel awful and making that kind of decision to finally do something about it was that moment for me. Like I'm going to, and it was funny because when I didn't, or when I, when I set the resolution and resolutions for me, like a lot, I think a lot of people, they don't stick. I just, you do it and a couple of weeks later, if you make it that long, it's like, oh, okay, well I made it two weeks this time. See you next year. But this time just, it felt different because I, I wanted it to be different. I wanted it to work this time because being as heavy as I was, it just was everything to try and fix it. And I've since lost a hundred pounds. So it's it's one of the many things that that keeps me going is like is just not becoming what was feeling so often when when I started this journey. How do your friends still react to you, the ones from the wedding and all of that? How do they do they still include you? How is the relationship there? Uh, there's definitely some things that have changed. I, I still am involved. Uh, I still get included. I think there's a lot that I've removed myself from because a lot of the, the parties, a lot of the situations are identical to the last. And I just don't want to be in that same situation all the time. Um, I still try and grow out and have fun, but there's definitely, you know, things I've removed myself from naturally. And uh, as, as a, it was, it was awkward because as they started to learn this new person that I had become, you know, not drinking, they didn't know how to handle that in a lot of ways, but then it was like, and, and, and it was in each circle. So I knew it wasn't just one group to another. It was like both. So my construction work friends and then like fire department friends and family. And it's just like, you, you don't do something anymore. So people are afraid to talk to you about it or they want to drink and you're there. So it's like they have to point out that, well, you know, uh, I just feel like having one. It's like, well, I don't need you to justify that to me. I'm not judging you for it. You have your own relationship with drinking or whatever the substance or whatever the thing is. I'm not here to make you change, nor am I here to make you feel like you need to change. That was me. 
so since then, as people are, are learning and how, you know, I'm, I started drinking some of these, these uh, non-alcoholic beers. Um, I didn't in the beginning because I didn't want to substitute one for another and fall back into my habit. It was um, something I definitely avoided, but I, I introduced them back here and there just as a social thing. I found it, you know, I, I can handle it, but people have started to, to have some of those at their house in case I'm there. So they can offer me something that's not alcoholic. So there's definitely been a lot more acceptance. And, and honestly, the last couple of years, I think naturally um, there's a lot more acceptance to people deciding not to drink and having these non-alcoholic options available. Have you influenced any of your other friends to stop? That was something that, that came and, and surprised me, but I definitely have. There was people that were the tough, masculine, like friends, construction, firefighting. And then they they came out to me later and just like, you know what? You don't know who's watching, but you have to keep this up. Because I started, you know, Facebook pages and Instagram pages and putting the book out and talking on these shows and sharing the shows and trying to promote as much as I can to get you know people to, you know, sponsor so support to, to the people that, that I'm getting support from. And just the, the people coming out to tell me how they've reached their 100 days or that they've maintained this or changed things about themselves. And, and it definitely has surprised me, but it's, it's a lot of motivation for me to keep going because while I think it is a hard topic for some to approach, I've done a few book uh, signings and you know, they can be quite quiet because I think it's something people talk about yet. But, uh, you know, the silent um, and ending these conversations, the, the, the feedback I'm getting is, is definitely very progressive. And, and I do feel really good about uh, who I am able to reach. Yeah, Jenna and I were talking that we feel like it's a movement that's happening. A lot of the celebrities are now having their own non-alcoholic drinks and um, mocktails and stuff. So I feel like a lot of people and maybe COVID made things worse for people. Like I, it obviously made it better for you, but maybe being hunkered in, it fed into that addiction, you know, and made life worse for some people I'm imagining. Um, but uh, I know. It did for sure. It yeah. Did. We want to ask like the same questions at the end of each show um, to the different people we have on it. And so I think Jenna has prepared a couple of questions and, um, and I think it'll be interesting to see um, the different people and how they respond with the same questions. If you don't mind, Sean, would that be okay? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Hi, Sean. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say congratulations. I'm really happy for you. Um, just because I became sober like you did, I think around the same time. Um, and I wanted to comment on the whole 2020 thing. I it just, to me, it was dumbfounding looking back with how uh, we were stuck and we could go get drinks and how like all these small businesses closed, but the liquor stores were still open. And I thought that it was just funny that you mentioned that because um, it's crazy. It shows how our society works and how it's really skewed. So yeah, I'm really happy for you. Um, Thank you. So uh, 
my first question is, what is your favorite part about being sober? My favorite part about being sober is the new relationships that I have with my family, my kids, my wife, the, the person that I left behind, the drinking person I left behind wouldn't have been as nice to myself, but as nice to the people around me as, as I've become. So I definitely see the difference and, and that's my favorite part. I love that. Um, okay, the next one is, what is something special that has helped you during your sober journey? Some sort of like secret tool or something someone might know about, not know about. I know that you said that journaling really helped you, but is there anything else you found besides journaling? Or I know that you said books and podcasts too, but any sort of thing besides those that really helped you that someone trying to stop drinking might benefit from knowing? Um, I think other than what, uh, what was mentioned, the tracking, tracking on my calendar was was huge when I'm seeing the days circled and because I wasn't sh uh, showing or sharing with anybody I had secret marks and scratches and boxes and circles on my calendar that meant different things I was working on or meant not drinking and you know that that double circle on every day of the of the month and then as as time went on just looking back and seeing all these marks and and seeing them in succession right i've done this every day for this many days and looking at it and seeing where uh i i've come from was probably one of the big, biggest tools that i haven't mentioned it's, it's just seeing that that uh consistency and, and being able to keep that streak going as long as possible cool um are you still counting I am counting. Um, I'm just, I'm working on different things. Um, right now, I'm, I think I'm 48 days or 50 days. I'm doing push uh, sit-ups. I do 50 sit-ups in a day. Sometimes it's like bedtime and I haven't done them yet. And I'm out in the garage on the, the chair just to put these things in. But it was a challenge for me with, with the drinking and with even just brushing my teeth, all the things that I was working on to do them for so long in a row, but then challenge to stop keeping track to see if this is who I am now, to see if I can maintain this without, you know, circling the calendar or whatever. So um, some things I've definitely gone back to, like snacking and you mentioned Leslie sugar and things. Uh, that's something I'm trying to work on. It's, it's tough. Cookies are like kryptonite for me and, and to, you know circle a day that uh, I haven't had it uh, I don't beat myself up if I can't do it but uh, you know I, I am definitely tracking the things I'm, I'm working on that's awesome I feel like sobriety for me as well just was like the push to like like you said all these different things like now you're doing sit-ups and now you're working on your cookie intake like it just brings all of this other stuff and it's just like a such a self-evolution process so that's cool to hear that you feel the same um and then the last question is so you said that you've influenced others and i know that we all try and um we try to not judge other people for drinking when we stop 
However, um, I think that most of us, once we become sober, kind of see the that it's a better life. And some of us, I I personally feel this way, but you know, you kind of you kind of wish this for other people moving forward. You're like, oh, I want them to experience this. So the last question is for people in your life that you love that maybe could benefit from discontinuing it or whatnot. Um, why do you think a sober life is a better life? I think it's it's a better life for a lot of reasons. Obviously, financially, it, it's it's a lot better, you know, uh, for being healthy and, and you're not, I'm not eating and snacking at midnight uh, on full pizzas because I'm in a little care, I've got that drunk mind and need the food. So, you know, health, there's, like I said, my patience, my relationship with my family is, is that much better. And, and, and I think just not being in that lane that I was in of drinking gave me permission to be a different person by not feeling like I had to maintain this, this, you know, routine drinking life, uh, the same thing on the weekends, you go to a function, I overpack and do as much as I can to drink whatever I brought. And then some, you know, to not be that person anymore, I can put my energies elsewhere. I can, if I played soccer with my two boys and my daughter, the youngest, like I, I played soccer with my boys last night and that energy wasn't there before. So my kids weren't getting their dad to play soccer with them or to do these things because I was just, you know, miserable. And, and you know, another thing that, that kind of happened with the relationship I had growing up, like seeing my parents and, and the, the, the morning after, like I'm not having these hangover mornings anymore. So there's nobody walking on eggshells with the short version they're going to get. I'm not sure how I'm going to handle different, you know, situations and until I've had my coffee or until I've been awake for an hour or slept all day. It's being sober and being away from drinking has given me the tools to be blinded. Well, both of us couldn't agree with you more with all of what you had just said. Um, I wish that more people could figure some of these things out before it got bad, like really bad, where they had to decide either for their health or for their relationships. I wish people could just make um, healthy decisions, but I'm guessing there's an addiction part of it that um, isn't as easy for people. You did mention in your book, though, um, that having a sponsor or having um, somebody that might have been beneficial to you earlier on. Do you still feel that way that had you reached out to a group or something? Um, and why didn't you do that? I, I think those resources are there and they, they need to be used. They're there for a reason. Um, yeah. I thought of my reason was I didn't think I had a problem. I didn't, yeah. I didn't okay. realize until much later that there was you know, as much problematic with the way I was with on, uh, while I was drinking or, um, you know, as there was. Um, the other thing is I wasn't, I wasn't brought up in a very religious environment. And a lot of the programs, as far as I knew, were dominant uh, religious. There was, there was, you know, in any of these programs. So I didn't even look them up because I just had it in my mind that they weren't for me. 
So I had to fix it myself. And these, I couldn't reach out because these, these programs that were um, really backed by religion, I didn't feel like they were going to speak to me and I was going to tune out because all I would hear is, you know, just the word faith. And I've come to learn, you know, faith isn't just religion. Faith can be in yourself that you can be the, the better person or that you can be more positive. So just hearing that word, though, uh, two, three years ago would have turned me right off. So I think I was you know, afraid to get into those environments because I, I wouldn't have handled the situation, the information and the help the way that we should have. And so coming to go through probably a little bit more difficult because I had to figure it out on my own. I'm not I'm trying to make sure people know, like, don't do that. That's difficult. And, and you're less successful when you go through this by yourself. You know, if you have somebody to encourage you, if you have somebody you can reach out to that has been through it, if you can do everything that the programs say and, and do and promote, it, it will definitely help. So uh, I haven't gotten involved. I, I don't think I'm done. I don't think I'll ever be done. But to this point, uh, I, I haven't gotten through, but I definitely want people to know that they're there. And you don't need to do it on your own. You don't need to fail this time if, if it didn't work last time. Now do what you can to to be successful. Just to wrap things up, Sean, can you tell us where we can find your book? Do you have your own po podcast, maybe some other shows that you've been on? And then um, kind of like where you see yourself in the future. Um, are you going to continue writing books? Are you, what are you doing with this other than um, just trying to be support for other people? Um, so um, my, my book is available on Amazon. It's um, Going Dry, My Path to Overcoming Habitual Drinking. Um, it's also available in most of the big box bookstores. Uh, I don't believe they're stocking it, but it's available online. You can get it uh, there. Um, I've started my own YouTube video series, um, keeping about three to five minute videos just on a topic that uh, means something to me around, you know, mental health drinking just different tactics I've, I've learned I think sort of to remind people so YouTube going dry and then I've got Facebook page and Instagram where I do a lot of the same thing and, and uh, my website seanrobinson.ca I'm going to be building up to have a lot of this content and links to all my podcast shows and and uh, I've started to uh, think about getting more into the coaching side a bit um, I don't have my podcast but uh, that's, that's something I'm, I'm not uh, Putting completely off the table yet uh, it'd be something that uh, that I want to start uh, my my book page is going dot dry on Instagram okay and I have uh, yeah Facebook is is also going dry and uh, LinkedIn Sean Robinson on LinkedIn I do want to thank you for coming on and at least like kind of putting putting yourself out there to total strangers Jenna and I and everybody else that might be listening um, because I know it's I mean maybe it's gotten easier over time but it's not it's not easy to just let everything out and, and, and go there so I do appreciate you doing that Jenna you have any last words it's just awesome I think it's great that you're doing this I have um, my first ex was addicted to drinking and then I had another that was addicted and I think that the last ex that was addicted could could have really used a role model that was a, a male role model out there. And I think 
I'm more heavily involved um, on Instagram than Leslie is so far, and I haven't seen as many men on there. So I hope that, you know, you gain momentum on there because I think a lot of men need people like you that are speaking out because I, you know, even though society has kind of had alcoholism or um, addiction tied to men, I think that we need more voices out there. So I applaud you and um, I think that you're awesome. So thanks so much. Thank you for joining us on Soberly Ever After. We hope the podcast gives you support and a place of no judgment to listen to our stories and to share yours with us. Until next time, a sober life is a better life.